Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. President Biden made the case for billions of dollars of new spending for Ukraine. He toured an Alabama factory that makes javelins. He says the missile has become very popular. They've been so important. There's even a story about Ukrainian parents naming their children, not a joke. Their newborn child, Javelin or Javelina. I spoke with Mark Kansian about this weapon. He's a retired Marine colonel and an expert on military spending. And first I asked him to describe it for us. The Javelin is the top end of the infantry anti-tank weapons. It is a fire and forget weapon. That is, you lock it onto the target, you pull the trigger The missile fires and it goes off on its own. It will home in on the target. The shooter can then go hide. It has a long range up to 4,000, a little more than 4,000 meters. And it also has a top attack capability. In other words, it it can go straight at a target or it can go up in the air and come down on top of a target. That's important because tanks have much thinner armor on top, so they're much more vulnerable. It seems like kind of the go-to weapon of this war. Has it been that way in conflicts for a while, or is there something unique about Russia's invasion of Ukraine that makes it particularly suited to this conflict? Well, the javelin has become the iconic weapon of the war. It caught everyone's imagination. You know, there's Saint uh, Javelin, there are javelin songs. The reason I think it caught people's attention is because the Russians have a very mechanized uh, military. They've got lots of armored vehicles. The Ukrainians needed as many anti-tank weapons as they could get. So we supplied these kinds of weapons early on in the conflict. And that was critical in allowing the Ukrainians, who were mostly light infantry, to hold back these uh, Russian armored formations. Hmm. So these are particularly good for perhaps an overpowered military with less heavy equipment to take on a bigger, heavier, more armored uh, military like Russia's. They are. And they're also very good for a military that may not be all that well trained because it doesn't take very long to learn how to use it. It is important to note that Javelin's only one of many kinds of anti-tank weapons that have been provided to the Ukrainians. There's another one that's called NLAW. It's also guided. It's not quite as sophisticated. It's been provided in much larger numbers. So many of the attacks we're seeing probably came from other kinds of uh, anti-tank weapons, but the Javelins are the most capable and they've certainly caught the public's imagination. And in just a couple of months, the U.S. has already sent 5,500 javelins to Ukraine. Biden is now asking Congress for another $33 billion in aid to Ukraine, $20 billion of which is for military aid. Any guess how big a chunk of that is to purchase javelins specifically? I think we can guess. And the answer, unfortunately, is zero. Hmm. And the reason is that we've given about a third of our inventory to Ukraine already. The stocks are getting low There's some risk on certain U.S. war plans that there may not be enough for our own purposes. I think what you're going to see is that the United States will provide a broad spectrum of weapons to Ukraine, including some anti-tank weapons, just not the Javelin in particular. So these can't just be churned out like pizzas. If they are so essential to the Ukrainian war effort, what does that mean if the U.S. has kind of gone through the stockpile that it's comfortable sharing already? Yes, production is a big problem. We've provided, as you say, over 5,500 javelins to Ukraine. The United States has been producing about six or 800 a year. So you can do the math and figure out how long it would take 
to replace those missiles. Now we can ramp up production. That takes time. It's also important to note that they're moving into a different phase of the conflict, providing different kinds of equipment now. We're providing uh, artillery, for example, armored vehicles. So the aid package is going to be uh, broader than it has been uh, before. Mark Kansian is a senior advisor at the Center for Strategic and International Studies here in Washington. Thank you for talking with us. Thanks for having me on the show. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, VCU Massey Comprehensive Cancer Center. Every year, millions of people lose someone to cancer. But as an NCI-designated Comprehensive Cancer Center ranked in the country's top 4%, VCU Massey Comprehensive Cancer Center is unrelenting in finding new ways to understand, detect, treat, and prevent cancer, unconditionally committed to keeping loved ones in their lives. Learn more at MasseyCancerCenter.org slash comprehensive. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. 